I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you are new here, you will find all things fun, hippie, woo-woo, and metaphysical, plus happiness. I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you tuning into the show every week, and I try to bring you the most fabulous guests imaginable. If you are craving more happiness after listening to this podcast, check out BUFindHappy.com, where you'll find all sorts of tangible tools, tips, tricks, and resources to incorporate more happiness in your life. Learn to speak your truth with grace and live a courageous life of authenticity. And remember, if you like this podcast, please click subscribe. Erica, welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. I'm so happy to have you on this morning. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on as well. So we're going to talk about healthy eating, um, paleo lifestyles. We're even going to talk about Lyme disease. But could you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got into what you're doing? Absolutely. My name is Erica and I run the popular blog called The Trail to Health and I'm also the cookbook author behind Wandering Palette. And before my blog really kind of started taking off and I started getting into healthy recipes and having the energy to write my cookbook, I had a long battle with Lyme disease. And so unfortunately, mine was a pretty common story. It took me about two years to find out that I actually was suffering from Lyme disease. And during that time, went doctor to doctor trying to figure out what was going on. And that was about the time where I started my blog. You know, I once I finally found out I was diagnosed with Lyme, there are so many different types of treatments. And so I wanted to use my blog as a platform to kind of document my recovery, document the journey I was going on, and what treatments were working for me and kind of what alternative treatments were out there for people to explore as well. And it took me about three years to recover. Um, I never did antibiotics. I did everything natural. Um, diet was such a huge piece of my recovery. So that really got me into kind of this avenue of like healthy eating. And once I recovered, I was able to start adding some of the healthy recipes I ate onto my blog, which led to me writing my cookbook. Um, and I've been in remission for about three years now. And so uh, I've been putting a lot of energy into my blog to show how you can kind of thrive and live after a chronic illness. Uh, I've added in gluten-free travel guides to show you that you can travel again, even if you're on a restricted diet and kind of just give people hope that, you know, just because you get diagnosed with an incurable disease, there is hope for you. There is an amazing life that you can live afterwards. And it's going to be a new normal for sure, but there's lots of awesome things that can come your way. Okay. So um, share with me then a little bit about uh, the process of kind of shifting your diet. I mean, I know a lot of people are very interested in doing this, you know? Absolutely. So it was interesting because one of my, can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, great, great. It looks so I was muted for a second. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so diet was actually one of the first things that I changed in my journey. And the reason for that was my very first diagnosis was actually celiac disease. So before anybody knew that I had Lyme disease for the first two years, I had multiple diagnoses with gut issues. It ranged from celiac to candida 
to SIBO. I developed over 60 food allergies. And so diet really kind of became front and center for all of those diagnoses and really cleaning up my diet. And I think that's one of the things that kind of put me in a good position. By the time I had Lyme, I had done so much work on my diet, so much work on cleaning up the foods I was eating and cutting down the inflammation and figuring out what foods work for my body. And it's such a critical piece to do that. And it's something that everybody can do with or without a doctor, really. And so for me, it was really important to do an elimination diet uh, to really find out what foods worked for my body, what foods didn't. And as I've healed over the years, as I've continued to heal my gut and just healed my immune system in general, I've been able to add so many foods back in. Pretty much all my food allergies have gone away, except for a few things that I'm still a little bit sensitive to. Um, but it's been really, really great <clears throat> to see how food affects you what symptoms foods can cause, you know, especially with Lyme, it's so easy to just blame every symptom and every little weird thing that comes up in your body on Lyme or, you know, one of your infections when a lot of it can actually be due to food and a food reaction as well. So food is just such an integral piece of our health that we have so much control over. I think it's an important step for anyone wanting to either just get healthy in general or you're dealing with any sort of chronic illness. And so what, why, um, so why, so why did they, why did, I mean, just your perspective, can you share a little bit about how I really feel this? I'm trying, I'm trying like, to figure out a way to say this kindly, but <laughs> I really feel like we've just gotten so far off with our processed foods and the, yes. the diets that we're eating, um, as far as, and I don't mean diets as in, um, you know, dieting, but diets as in what is actually on our plate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that, I'm curious as to how you think this is contributed to the disease. Absolutely. I mean, so much of us are eating, you know, the standard American diet, and it's really just a bunch of sugar. It's a bunch of processed foods. It's a bunch of grains. And even if you're eating, you know, a more savory thing, you're still eating so much sugar. And it's really starting to become aware of that and changing your diet. And, you know, I... I was guilty of it too. I, I used to eat pasta for lunch. And, you know, even though I'm not much of a sweet tooth, I was getting a lot of savory carbs and savory sugars. And when I first went gluten-free, I actually, you know, started doing a gluten-free diet. And really all that is, <clears throat> is it's still a standard American diet. It's just all these like sugary processed foods. And I just felt terrible all the time. I felt spacey. I felt tired. And, you know, I was like, oh, I thought I was supposed to feel better going gluten-free. And it wasn't until... I really shifted my thinking and really shifted my plate and started going after more of a paleo style diet where I was eating whole foods. I was eating high quality proteins, a lot of vegetables, a lot of healthy fats that I just had a full 180 on how I felt. I had so much more energy, so much more mental clarity, just felt better overall. I lost a lot of inflammation in my body and it was amazing how just switching to Foods that are mostly on the outside perimeter of your grocery store that are real pieces of food, how much that shifted how I felt and how it affected my life. Um, okay, so so here's my question. I have heard mixed reviews on paleo. I did paleo for a while. I did keto for a while. I've done them all for a while to mm -hmm. try and just see what feels good to my body. And where I ultimately landed was just purely eating whole foods um, and fresh fish. I cut meat out of my diet, red meats and chickens and that sort of thing for multiple reasons. Um, mm -hmm. the first being that we actually raised, we actually raised meat birds and, uh, slaughtered them. And after that, I had no interest in eating chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even look at a piece of chicken without remembering the smell of the blood and the feathers. And I mean, I'm being graphic here, but this is really what it is. And I think a lot of people are very disconnected from 
um, their food. My husband, mm-hmm. you know, has no problem shooting a deer and, and, and getting it all ready and processed and then eating it. I don't think I could do that. Now mm-hmm. I can kill a fish and eat a fish. Mm-hmm. I can kill a shrimp and eat a shrimp. So I feel like, you know, it just aligns with both my, um, internal process mm-hmm. and it aligns with what just really feels good to me in my body. Um, but what do you think about what people are saying as far as, you know, paleo kind of being a fad? And if we really strip paleo down, what do you see that diet as being about? You know, I mean, I think it's important to find your own personal diet and what works well for you. For me, I thrive on a paleo diet. I was actually a vegetarian for 10 years and it was the sickest I have ever been. You know, I was compensating the lack of protein with a lot of extra grains, a lot of extra carbs and grains for my body are like the ultimate inflammation. Like I, if I avoid grains, I feel really good. My body does really good. The second I start adding them in, I get a lot of symptoms and issues. So for me, you know, I really wanted to try to like limit my meat and I was kind of, you know, trying to be, trying to be vegetarian, trying to make it work, but it just didn't work for my body. So for me, paleo is really the best diet for me. Um, I've actually almost become the opposite and I started actually adding in more meat into my diet. And I actually, my inflammation markers for the first time since having Lyme have actually gone back to normal. So for me, I tend to thrive more on a high fat, high protein diet with a lot of meat and protein. Um, I do eat a ton of vegetables too. Don't get me wrong. I love my salads and veggies and tomatoes. Like I incorporate a lot of vegetables in my plate as well. Um, but the grains for me are a killer. So, you know, with a paleo diet or the keto diet, you're cutting out a lot of those grains, which can be inflammatory for so many people. So I think diet is just so individual. You know, it works for one person, doesn't work for someone else. Like you find yourself feeling best, you know, eating fish and veggies and whole foods. And that's awesome that you went on your journey and found what works specifically for your body. And I think it's so individual, you know, and it's really about, going with your morals and ethics and what feels right for you to eat, like on a, you know, more spiritual or emotional level. And also what physically is working for your body and, you know, doing labs to check your body and seeing how you're reacting to certain foods. Like, like I mentioned, when I added in the extra protein and more meat, my labs shifted in their direction. I needed them to shift after years of having chronic inflammation after Lyme. And the only change I made was dietary. And I think just really kind of fine tuning that using your labs working with your doctors or health coaches that are kind of guiding you um, to test out different foods for your body and just finding kind of your optimal diet. Like I, I like to say I eat a paleo diet, but I really eat the Erica diet. I eat the diet that I've learned over time, works for my body, release it, like removes my inflammation or reduces it dramatically. Um, and then I feel the best on. Yeah. And I really think you touched on something really kind of important, which is, you know, for everybody, it's going to be different. And I think where people get hung up is, um, you know, thinking like, oh, okay, well, so this is working for this person. So then I need to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I think, I think another component to all of this is, um, humans have gotten really, uh, out of touch with what their body is telling them, what their body is saying and what's actually happening. So I think that if, if you really look at your body as a whole functioning unit and start to take note, like, hmm. When I eat, uh, the, you know, when I eat a sandwich, I, I don't feel all that good. Okay. So, well, what is it in the sandwich? Is it the bread? Is it the condiments? Is it the meat, the cheese? What, what could it be? And then start kind of experimenting and playing with that. And I think a lot of people have kind of started to realize like, oh, well, when I eat, uh, you know, milk, I get bloated or when Absolutely. I drink beer, I get bloated. Okay. Well, let's strip that down and look at 
I mean, to say just milk, it, is it the, is it the, you know, lactic enzymes in the milk? Is it, what is it? it? You know, and when we look at beer, okay, well, is it the carbonation? Is it the wheat? You know, what, what could be contributing to your angst? And absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think and that's, I think that's such a key, that's a, such a key thing is like, really, it's like the, the most important piece of the whole thing is like learning to listen to those signals from your body. Exactly what you said, you know, like listening to the symptoms that come up and it, it doesn't always have to be digestive. You know, it can be something happening with your skin that kind of flares up or it can be brain fog or it can be just your joints hurt. It can be so many things that it's so until people start really kind of connecting the foods that they're eating and connecting to their body more you don't really tie those symptoms into food. You know, your joints hurt and you go to a rheumatologist and you're like, why does this hurt? And they give you some kind of medication, but it's like, it could be the wheat you're eating. It could be the nightshades that you're eating that are causing those issues. So really, really connecting to your food and any symptoms that arise from it is so important. So another component as you were talking, I was thinking about this is that, you know, we consider, okay, what we're eating is angsting me. But sometimes, like, as you mentioned with nightshades, um, I had a client once and I'm a psychotherapist, so I'm not a nutritionist. So you can correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong on this, but, um, she was having a lot of troubles with nightshades. And then it turned out she was super low on magnesium. Mm-hmm. And when she improved her magnesium, then she was able to eat nightshades without problem. I don't know what the relation is or, or what the kind of, that was the short gist of it that she was uh-huh. describing to me. But, you know, I think it's important to say, well, if your health is whole in other ways, then you can usually consume, you know, things that are natural in, in on our mm-hmm. um, and I see this a lot for myself with heartburn. I have like weird heartburn. Um, and so one of the things that I've identified from that is that when I have a good solid pH balance, like so I'm, you know, incorporating apple cider vinegar into dressings and things like that or whatever. Mm-hmm then I don't have as much heartburn and I can enjoy those foods like a cup of coffee here and there that I otherwise can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to say, you know, just because something is giving you trouble doesn't mean you necessarily need to, you know, completely cut that out. Take a look at what you may need to balance in other places so that you can still enjoy that thing that you really like. Absolutely. Yep. That's a really good point as well. You know, it's like all about your systems are working as a whole. So if something is out of whack, it could be, you know, causing that food to cause a reaction. But if you start balancing those things, you might be able to integrate that again. And so much of it is like keeping our gut healthy as well, you know, like making sure that you're eating foods that are not, you know, causing a leaky gut over time and not causing inflammation, but, you know, really nourishing your body from the inside out. So there's a couple thoughts that I have on that. One, everybody on this podcast knows I absolutely adore uh, Dr. Zach Bush and his work with the microbiome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can chat on that a little bit. And I absolutely encourage anybody to check out his stuff, specifically his Rich World podcast um, episode was really fabulous. But the the other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on is I've, I've recently read the books by Anthony Williams, The Medical Medium. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so, so this is interesting because I had a little bout where I was like, oh, I definitely got Lyme um, because, you know, the symptoms are so everything that if you're kind of feeling funky, you can really attribute a lot to Lyme. Mm-hmm. Um, I had all the Western titers done and all the different various things and it was not Lyme. And I'm like, this is just so odd, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that he says, and I do have a thyroid um, condition and one of the things that he actually talks about is that um, like funky late stage thyroid problems 
mimic Lyme, but also can underlie, uh, can, can actually be caused by an underlying Epstein virus. Mm-hmm. So Epstein-Barr virus. So this is what's funny is I never knew that I had Epstein-Barr in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I read this book the last time that they went to do a thyroid panel on me. I said, I want you to add the Epstein-Barr, uh, you know, profile. Mm-hmm. And they did. And sure enough, it came back. I was not actively positive, mm-hmm. um, but I had the antibody. So I had mm-hmm. gotten that virus. Yeah, and they say like we, 99% of the population has it, which is so crazy that, you know, all of us are walking around with this potentially underlying infection that is kind of wearing our immune system down. That literally can live in the depths of your thyroid, mm-hmm. can literally live in the depths of your heart. And when you get stressed, can cause heart palpitations, for example, which was one of the symptoms that I was having. You know, so it's it's just like, it's really truly incredible when we kind of look at this and then we find out, well, there's actually ways to suffocate and starve out this virus. There's mm-hmm. actually ways to kill it, but it's been there living there, uh, feeding and proliferating on the things that we've been eating. Mm-hmm. And then in fact, um, you know, making us sick without, it's like a silent, it's like a silent thing that we didn't even know was a problem. Really, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so many infections are like that too. You know, it's just like, a lot of times our immune systems are healthy enough that it just kind of keeps it in check. But like you said, you know, you have some work stress or you get in an accident or you have a traumatic event and then all of a sudden you have it COVID. comes out. With <laughs> like, that. I mean, not you get COVID, but COVID is a, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like a global pandemic. I mean, think of all of the viruses that were laying dormant in our bodies yep. that are now like, woo, I get to feed on this stress, you know? Uh, yeah. And Lyme as well. I was actually on a, a webinar yesterday that one of the doctors said she's starting to get a lot of COVID long haulers that she's, you know, trying to help get their life back. And the first thing she's been doing with all of them is testing them for tick-borne infection and Lyme disease, and they're all coming up positive. So I think a lot of it is, you know, it's just your immune system. Wait, medicine. what? Ex- explain up. that again. Hold on. You, so, yeah, explain. Explain that again. Slow that. Yeah. So COVID long haulers, as we all know, is kind of like the lingering effects of COVID, you know, causing brain fog. A lot of symptoms very similar to Lyme, to be honest. When I see the list and hear the symptoms, it sounds just like Lyme. So she's been getting a lot of patients um, coming to her to kind of help get out of the long hauler symptoms. And she's been testing them for tick-borne infections and Lyme disease. And most of all of them so far have come up positive. Um, so translation, they get COVID, they, they move through COVID. <clears throat> COVID may or may not still be actively present, probably not, whatever, but that is causing an underlying Lyme or other condition to now present itself that people didn't even really know they had. Exactly. And I think that's what happens. You know, you have your immune system. It, you probably, a lot of, they say a lot of people have been exposed to Lyme and have it same with like EBV, but you know, if your immune system's healthy and your body's healthy, your immune system's able to kind of keep it in check and you don't have symptoms. But then, like you said, you know, you get that traumatic event, you get COVID, you get sick with something else. And all of a sudden your immune system's like, all right, I can't, I can't keep this under control anymore. And you start to have symptoms from whatever infections you've got that were previously not an issue for you. Wow. I mean, I I really feel like we're learning a lot about human body functioning, um, viruses, and just in general, how we've gotten so far off track. And I think uh, that the reason that 99% of the population has, you know, Epstein-Barr virus is probably because we are not living as healthy in such a healthy way as we could. I think, I think a lot of these 
um, processed foods and things like this are contributing to the dis-ease that we're experiencing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hope with the COVID stuff with the long hauler and, you know, just like all the research that they're doing on the virus, if I can really lend some insight into some of these other conditions, you know, like Epstein-Barr, Lyme disease, which have been very understudied, very underfunded. Um, yet the symptoms are so similar to what people are experiencing with COVID. So I hope that this will give us a lot of new knowledge, a lot of new information, a lot of new research into seeing why these things are continuing. You know, is it the infection? Is it chronic inflammation that gets triggered on that can't shut off? And that's why your body is experiencing all these symptoms. You know, I think there needs to be a lot of research on that. Oh, I think it's very interesting that we've kind of become a population of, uh, oh, it's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. I've, I've got all these funky things that are bothering me every single day. And we can even just look at the allergy, you know, pandemic, so to speak. And yet we're like, oh, it's fine. You know, my my face is leaking out of every orifice, but I'm fine. I'm good. So, you know, we don't take a look at ways in which we can, you know, eat honey and eat these things that will contribute to improving our quality of life. We instead, you know, take all of these, you know, big pharma you know, prescription solutions to Absolutely. stuff that we're, we're not really fixing the problem. We're just covering it up and then telling exactly. ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like everyone just wants to stop the symptoms. They don't want to deal with the root cause, but really you're just masking whatever is going on. And, you know, the next year you're going to probably have another symptom and then you're going to have to take another pill for that instead of really kind of digging in, figuring out what the root cause is and fixing it. So you don't have to take pills and you don't have to deal with these symptoms your entire life that are just going to keep compounding. What are your thoughts on what we are consuming that we're not actually even putting in our mouth? And by that, I'm gotcha. talking about, you know, technology, 5G, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to acknowledge all of those things. You know, I am a big fan of my blue blockers, uh, making sure I try to get like the junk light out before bed. I've noticed it really helps with my sleep. Um, but even beyond that, too, you know, I think it's so important to be cognizant of your relationships with people, like people that wear you down versus not, you know, making sure that you get sunlight, making sure you're not living in a house with mold um, or other toxins, making sure you're not living near a freeway um, and breathing in all those toxic fumes all day. I actually used to live near a freeway and our place used to just get covered in soot. And I'm like, we're breathing that in. And I tested really high for solvents, like airborne solvents. So um, fortunately, I live near the beach now and it's much cleaner, but um, you know, just being really, really aware of those kinds of things and your surroundings and how you feel, how you're affected. And again, you know, using some labs as well, just to make sure that, you know, you're not being exposed to certain things like there's 30, I think they say 30% of buildings have water damage or mold in them, um, which can really, really take down your health. And you don't even have to be also 30% of the population has an HLA gene, um, which your body can't detox and get the mold out of your body. So Again, that's one of those things, like we talked about with the EBV or the Lyme, that's just kind of wearing down your immune system. Your immune system is kind of keeping it in check. But, you know, when you get exposed to the next thing, are you going to be able to keep it all under control? And you don't necessarily, if you have the HLA gene, you don't have to be living in mold to still be affected by it. You could have been exposed or lived somewhere and then moved, but your body is still dealing with it because it hasn't been able to get it out. So um, anyone with chronic illness, I really suggest looking into, you know, making sure that you're not dealing with mold or any of these kind of like underlying toxins um, and heavy metals as well. You know,
awesome podcast. Uh, and I, I don't remember the guy's name, but it's six, seven podcast. He said, look, it's kind of like this. Somebody goes and sticks, uh, you know, a pipe into the back door of your air conditioner and starts filling it with carbon monoxide. Um, you, uh, then, you know, you don't know this, you're not aware of this. And then you have, uh, you have a neighbor who just moved door and she brings over a casserole and she says, Oh, hello neighbor. I'm just being a friendly neighbor. You know, I just want to give you this casserole to enjoy. And your whole family eats that casserole. And then that night you get very sick and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, it's the casserole. The neighbor is poisoning me. The neighbor, <laughs> you know, they had, there was something bad in the casserole, not realizing that I actually some other person stuffed this carbon monoxide into your home. Mm-hmm. And um, so we tend to, I think, kind of attack what we what what seems obvious mm-hmm. without realizing that, you know, there's all of these other things that could be the cause. And I think this is just true of, you know, viruses and life in general. And one absolutely. of the things that Dr. Zach Bush really talks about that I love, I absolutely love, is that you need to you need to quit purifying the good air that you're breathing. Sure. Go ahead and stop breathing smog. But you need to have your feet in the dirt. You need to have your face in the dirt, uh, living in synergy with nature. And I do think that we've kind of over purified, you know, they, the uh, requirements even for building a home now make it make it to where you can't, you, you know, you're, you're keeping all all the particles out. And that's not necessarily a good thing. What are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. I definitely do feel like we've become a little too sterile in our lives, you know, using like the antibacterial soaps and hand sanitizers and even more now with COVID, you know, it's really, really gotten to the extreme. So I definitely feel like nature is very healing, Um, you know, getting your hands dirty, like planting your own food, regenerating soil, like all those kinds of things, even probiotics or soil based probiotics that have, you know, bacteria from the dirt and things like that. So I think it's super important. I think it's it's really important to, you know, not get too sterile, too clean um, and try to get some of that good bacteria that nature has to offer as well. Yeah. And and so um, so how can people kind of balance this? How can they balance, uh, you know, eating, eating, eating in a way that's that's contributing to their health and their positivity while living their busy lives? What do you recommend? How can people get started? Uh, you know, I think everyone can start doing like a little bit of a home garden. I got into that myself at the beginning of COVID and I thought that was pretty awesome to kind of grow your own food. Um, you know, sourcing your food from farms and, um, you know, agriculture that is practicing regenerative, uh, agriculture to make sure that the soil is healthy. Um, you know, getting the organic food without the pesticides, I think is a way to get that in through your diet. Um, and then also, you know, just taking a break, taking a break from your electronics and your phones and going out in nature, whether that's taking a walk on the beach, um, you know, barefoot so that you can ground and get some of like those ions from the sand and the, the ocean or, you know, going for a hike if that's your thing. So really just trying to disconnect at least once a week in your life and, and just enjoy the outdoors, getting sunshine, like all those kinds of good things that can be so beneficial for your health. Oh, I love that. I especially like what you talked about with that. Uh you know, the regeneration of soil. I mean, there was a great movie called Kiss the Ground. I highly mm-hmm. recommend people check that out. Really, really incredible about how we, you know, how just everything that's going on in the ground and the dirt and the soil and how we really kind of suffocated and starved it out a little bit. Um, so listen, you're a life coach. This is a nutrition coach, right? This is this is the sort of thing you do. If people are really interested in getting their health and their diet on track, how could they get a hold of you? 
Absolutely. So you can head over to my website. It's thetrailtohealth.com. I have a whole section on all my different coaching offerings. Um, you know, I can, I always customize it to whatever your goals and needs are. Um, generally, I work with clients over a six month period and we meet every two weeks. So, you know, whether it's finding your perfect diet and what foods work for you is like one avenue or, you know, you're pretty healthy, but you just want to stay healthy and optimize your life and your health. That's another kind of option that in track that we can work on. Um, and I also uh, support anyone with chronic illness, whether it's Lyme disease or autoimmune disease, and, you know, kind of work with you and your doctor, you know, go over the treatment plans, how to kind of integrate the treatments and recommendations from your doctor, um, maybe suggest some additional labs to have your doctor run um, when you know you're kind of stuck, things like that. So I really customize it to the individual, whatever your health goals are, um, and nutrition goals, and we can kind of work from there. That's so fantastic. Her website, thetrailtohealth.com. And of course, we put all of the links in the show notes. Is there anything else, Erica, that you'd like to share with people that are maybe kind of feeling inspired by listening to what you had to say today? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're dealing with chronic illness, definitely hang in there. Uh, your life can get better. You don't lose hope. You know, like I, I feel like I was lost hope many times in my own journey and I'm absolutely loving life now. So you can get your life back. And for anyone that, you know, thinks they're healthy, you know, really kind of be conscious of the decisions you're making, what you're putting in your body and really work to really optimize your health on a holistic level, you know, whether that's, um, paying attention to the people you're surrounding yourself with and how they make you feel, paying attention to your food choices. And, you know, like we talked about at length here today too, really getting out in nature and kind of reconnecting with everything that the world has to offer as well. So awesome. And so true. And I mean, I think that when we just look at how nature continually, uh, you know, thrives, I have even seen, uh, you know, plants come up through concrete. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. It's just kind of a reminder that, uh, nature wants to do life and I'll take that from Zach Bush, but, uh, it really does. And, and we are nature. So, um, you know, at our very, most simplest, uh, our body wants to live. It wants to thrive. It wants to do amazing. So thank you so much, Erica, for coming on today and chatting about these things really, really profound and, um, and, and just frankly dialogue that we all should be having in light of kind of what this virus has introduced into our world. This has been a BU find happy podcast for more inspiration. Check out the links.